Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Focused on Forward. Today we have a very exciting guest. Exciting for me, I'm anxious to hear his story. We have Dave Stevens. And Dave uh, was born without legs. But yet the things that he is able to do in his life, uh, you might not have thought possible. But Dave has defied those odds and he has done those things. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him tell us what those things are because... They're kind of cool. I think you guys are going to like it. Anyway, Dave, thank you so much for being on and being a guest to Focused on Forward today. Oh, thanks. It's uh, it's always nice to kind of tell my story. I, uh, I always, when I speak, I'm a motivational speaker now. And when I speak a lot, I always say, I'm the greatest sports story you've never heard. Because, you know, <laughs> a, a lot of what I did was in an era before the internet and all that stuff. And um, so for your listeners, uh, it, it's probably going to be mind-blowing to try to comprehend what we're going to talk about, what my journey was like, and the things that I've done. Um, so I guess I'll kind of just put it in a, a quick synopsis. I was born without legs um, in Arizona, strike one, uh, adopted, put up for adoption right from the hospital, strike two. And uh, the people that adopted me were very poor, so we kind of had that strike three right there. But uh, they loved me, they raised me, and taught me and instilled in me uh, so many things that I don't think most parents would do for a child uh, with those challenges that I had. And so I started playing sports and turned my disability, and I hate that word, but I turned my disability into my ability. So I started playing flag football and softball and all these things that's in seventh and eighth grade and then took that to the next levels in Arizona where I'm the only guy without legs ever to play high school football and wrestle and I played baseball I was a varsity letterman Um, I then went on to college and played college football in Augsburg uh, at Augsburg University in Minnesota Uh, I ended up getting a trial with the Dallas Cowboys Uh, worked in local TV there uh, had a friend who owned a baseball team and said, hey, do you want to come out and play minor league baseball? So I got to play with the St. Paul Saints in 1996 for three weeks. I was teammates with Jack Morris and Daryl Strawberry, who were both making comebacks. Um, got oh, that's to start, cool. you know, started in a game uh, with Daryl, uh, let off. I also pinch hit for Daryl in a game where he hit three home runs. So <laughs> I'm very blessed, you know, and that yeah. led to a TV career, 20 years at ESPN, seven Emmys. So we're bouncing around a lot, but that's kind of throwing everything in a little capsule that I've done all these amazing things that people with legs don't get to do. So that's this journey while it's had its highs and lows has really, um, you know, had some just phenomenal moments for my life. And now, you know, I'm a a motivational speaker. I travel, well, I used to travel before COVID, but 
uh, travel around, tell my stories. I have two charities that I work with that put on baseball camps for disabled kids. And, you know, now this is my legacy that I get to help people and teach people and show people that this is my normal and it's okay to be different. And maybe your normal isn't seen on the outside, but we all have these things to battle. And so if a guy like me with what little I had can turn those into gifts, I think nobody has an excuse to bitch or moan or complain about, uh, oh, my leg hurts or my wife hates me or my girlfriend, you know, cheated on me. It's like, hey, when you've walked a mile in my shoes or my non-shoes, you kind of learn to think about life differently. I like that, my legacy. Uh, that, that caught my attention. That's nice. All right. So let's talk a little bit about your legacy. We're going to use that term a few times this, this discussion. Um, let's go back and let's talk about from kind of from the beginning. So um, when did it become apparent to you that you were different from the other kids? Do you have a, that recollection? I think it was first grade, you know, when um, the kids used to bury me in the sand all the way up. I wore artificial legs in those days. So like kids would bury me and do mean things. And I always thought it was acceptance and I didn't realize it was bullying. And so okay. I learned at an early age that, yeah, I was different, even though I didn't feel different. But my personality and, you know, effervescence uh, kind of helped, you know, that <laughs> I had friends and once they got to know me, it was almost like they would stick up for me. And it's like, hey, we can pick on Dave, but you can't. And that kind of, you know, that went through into the high school level too, where I, I got picked on and bullied in high school. First, first uh, week of playing football, I had a teammate and we had really cold water in Wickenburg, Arizona. We didn't really have hot water in the showers. And you can see where this is going. I had a teammate suddenly it's warm water on my head. You know, I sit on the ground and my butt in the shower and suddenly there's warm water in my head and I turn around and this guy is urinating on my head. Oh, geez. And so I instinctively turned around and punched him right where the urine was coming from. He oh. drops this old football coach. Just think of an old crotchety shop teacher that had lost three <laughs> fingers, that kind of coach that comes out. He's like, what the hell's going on? And they're like, well, Beefo pissed on Steven's head. What did Steven's do? Well, he punched him in the beep and the old coach just turned around and said, just to serve. And he walked into his office and no one ever did anything like that to me again. So, you know, nowadays, learned. yes. And it's like nowadays that is that inclusion or is it bullying? Would they be suspended? Would there be a scandal? You know, all those kind of things. So I've been very lucky to deal with the bullying and the inclusiveness and things because I have a Teflon coat on the outside but others don't. And so now it's kind of my job to try to teach them, but also to teach others about bullying. It's like when you pick on someone and you say things like what it is, especially nowadays with the internet where you can get away with anything, you know, on kids. And, and it's just, we're going through a tough era right now. So I'm just hoping that, you know, opportunities like this to share my story and my journey, I can help educate both sides. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. I think a lot of times I, you know, uh, young ones don't realize the impact of their words and their actions. And they just think of it as possibly that, Oh, it's just good natured fun. Boys will be boys, you know, those type of things. But, you know, uh, it's clear that those things have, have consequences to not only the person that is doing them, but to the person they're being done to. And so I think that's good to notice. So let's talk a little bit more about, about you though, and about your story going forward. So how did you get from a point of, of being this kid who, well, I was using artificial legs at the time. How did you get to a point where you're playing football or, and, and being included in these other sports? 
it was a it's a great journey and i owe it so much to just just a buddy um because there weren't coaches and books there weren't limb difference you know opportunities like we have now there weren't jim abbott's then there weren't shakeem griffins there weren't you know all these people that have missed body parts that have made it in into sports into professional levels and other levels so um we just started working in the backyard and and you know there was no book how to play sports for legless dummies so we started <laughs> you know we started with like a tennis ball because how do you catch a tennis ball and transfer with when you're using just your arms and i wasn't afraid of it so then we take it to the next level of a softball and a baseball same for a football using a nerf ball in the backyard a basketball all these kind of things and i just figured out how to adapt and it became in seventh and eighth grade and you might have experienced this when you're not picked last on those teams anymore when it's not the it's not the chunky kid or the nerd or the foreign exchange student, and I suddenly moved up that food chain as I got better and better, and then I got to the point where I was a captain and I got to pick the teams, but I was like, man, I've got to I got to keep doing this. And so when we moved to Wickenburg and um, I went to high school, I said I'm going to play high school football. But the state of Arizona had never gone through anything like that, and they tried to deter me. They made me go through all kinds of physical tests and mental tests and all these things. And, and at the end, they couldn't find anything to um, not allow me. So I just started going out and, you know, playing and it upset parents sometimes, I think, because they thought coaches might be taking more time to work with me and not their kids. And then you get, hey, this legless kid is beating my kid out in wrestling and in football and in baseball to start. My kid has legs. How could my kid be that bad that a legless kid could beat them out? So you deal with all kinds of things behind the scenes that most people wouldn't, you know, you see those stories of the great stories of the kid with Down syndrome that one's for one play or the, the manager that is, is maybe, you know, different and plays one you know, minute in a end of a basketball season. I was never going to be that charity case. I always wanted people to realize that I was out there as an athlete. And my motto has always been, look, if you're going to stare at me, I might as well give you a show. Excellent. I like that. So positivity right off the start. That's fantastic. So uh, how many sports did you end up playing in high school then? Because you mentioned a couple different ones there. Yeah, I was, uh, uh, I played football and baseball for four years. Um, I was on varsity baseball for four years, um, two years of varsity football. And then uh, my coach, who was a football coach, got me to go out for wrestling, which turned out to be my best sport. And I ended up, you know, going to the state championship twice and, you know, setting state records in wrestling and probably my best sport because it was an individual thing. I didn't have to, you know, worry about others. Um, but, um, you know, I, I just I've tried everything. You know, I'm playing uh, sled hockey now at my age. Uh, it's a great sport. Oh, for, nice. Uh, yeah. You know, so and I continue to go around and work out with minor league baseball teams. I take batting practice. I shag balls. Uh, Joe Madden used to have me come work out with the Tampa Rays. So I'd oh, that's cool. spring training games. And, you know, I've built all these relationships with uh, celebrities and athletes and stuff that has really, you know, been great for me because I'm that elephant in that room. And then they see me and they realize, man, if this guy gives all this, and that's what Joe Madden said, he used to bring me in because he knew his players would see me and go, I can't bitch about my arm aching or my <laughs> ankle hurting or any of that. And, you know, those guys want to talk to me and stare at me in the batting cages. And it's like, I'd rather be talking to you and staring at you. So it's always, right. it's always humbling to have those guys, you know, appreciate me for what I did and, and to continue to have relationships with guys like Daryl Strawberry or Rob Gronkowski or, you know, any of the guys that I've met along my journey. Okay. 
Yeah, I had noticed on on Twitter that you had uh, a couple. There was a couple of photos of you and and uh, Strawberry and and some of the things and some interactions between the two. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but okay, so now we've moved forward from high school. We're we're looking at our, our the college era. So where again did you go to college, and what did you do there? Augsburg University in Minneapolis, and it was part of that you know amazing Dave Stevens story where I was on a TV show called That's Incredible back in the eighties. Oh yeah, I remember that show. Yeah, and in fact, the episode I was on, there was this snotty little four-year-old kid in the green room hitting golf balls and just being an obnoxious little four-year-old. That kid was Tiger Woods. So oh, how cool is know, that? It's like <laughs> I, I have. I've lived this magical Forrest Gimp life, you know, where I've come across all these things that like Tom Hanks is, you wouldn't believe these things. So that's incredible led to uh, the college seeing me and offering me a scholarship. And then a local TV station, ironically in Minnesota offered me a job. So I started in TV as a 17 year old high school kid, you know, in the summer and then went back the following year and spent nine years in Minnesota, worked local TV in Minnesota, covered two world series with the Minnesota twins and all those cool. amazing, things and you know i got to know kirby puckets and kent herbex and gary gaietes and you know all these uh people that nobody don't don't know anymore because the twins haven't been good for a while but you know and then uh in 1995 espn said we like the interviews that you do with the twins and would you like to come work here so uh, i ended up at espn behind the scenes and spent 20 years with them seven emmy awards and you know that was just you know, surreal to work in the heyday of Sports Center with Chris Berman and, you know, Stuart yeah. Scott and, you know, Kenny Mayne is a good friend. Dan Patrick is a good friend. So I hate to name drop, but it's like, it's all these things in my life that I'm, I'm, you no, know, I wouldn't want to, you know, I wouldn't want to be born any other way. People say, would you wish you had legs for a day or do you wish you could try it out? And it's like, to do what I've done and accomplished, man, I, I you know, I might've been a garbage, you know, dump truck driver or a ballerina or who knows what I would have been if I'd have had legs. Right. Well, you, you certainly wouldn't be Dave Stevens though yeah. that we know now that's for sure. Because I think, you know, sometimes those, those obstacles that we have to overcome are what shape us and form us and, and make us who we are. It gives you the drive and the, the determination to move yourself forward. Uh, I think. So, well, that's cool. And I, you know, I don't look at it as name dropping either, by the way, just so you know, I think it's important to kind of frame the conversation for our listeners. Mm -hmm. It lets them know uh, who you are and, and uh, aids and lends credibility to your story of who you are and where you've been, what you've done. Okay. So how did the tryout with the Cowboys come, come about? How did that all happen? Um, you know, after my three years at Augsburg, uh, I had been on TV on CBS this morning and a bunch of shows, and uh, I got two offers. I got invited by the Green Bay Packers to go to Lambeau Field and go to their actual training camp, and then I got invited to the Cowboys for a one-day tryout. And in 1989, the Cowboys were a much bigger deal than the, uh, you know, the horrible Packers at that time. Yeah, so absolutely. That was like in the Todd, Mar Todd Marinovich days, I think, so. But uh, so I, I ended up going to Dallas and uh, I went to Dallas, tried out for the Cowboys, obviously didn't make the team, but it was an amazing experience, uh, again, to put on the resume that, you know, guys with legs, I call you leggies. None of you leggies have ever done those kind of things, you know, um, because it's, it's just like when you're out on that, you know, at that time, that stadium, that famous, you know, Cowboy Stadium, and you walk out sure. on that turf. You know, you just take it in and think of Roger Staubach and Emmett Smith and all those great ones. And here's this Dave Stevens from Augsburg. Um, so, you know, the professional tryouts I've had have been amazing with the Cincinnati Reds, Minnesota Twins, 
I tried out for the Olympic baseball team and played in the same outfield with Barry Bonds and Odeby McDowell. So, you know, all oh, these wow. things. That, that's why I say it's the greatest story never, ever heard. Um, but luckily, people, if you're listening, and hopefully there's a lot of listeners, go to Dave Stevens Speaks on YouTube, and all the videos are there. There's me playing college football, you know, my, the things I do now, the things I did then. There's there's everything that will answer your questions of how did he do it. There's no way he could do it. Um, I'm blessed that I have the video to go along with it because if I'd have been playing in this day and age playing sports, heck, I'd be like the biggest star in the world. I'd be as big as LeBron James, you know, I'm, I'm joking, but you know, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio would be my coach in the Dave Stevens story. And they'd have some young superstar, you know, CGI and his legs not on him and all those things. So, uh, I'm just luck lucky that I have the proof because it's not a story anybody would believe. No. And, and I think that's it, you know, cause, uh, when I first found out about you, um, <laughs> and uh, I started looking into you and going, well, there's no way this guy played football. He doesn't have legs, there's, you know, because uh, us leggies, as you call us, uh -huh. I, I think sometimes we don't give credibility to people who are different than us because all of a sudden we go, well, they don't have this. This person doesn't have that, which you mentioned Jim Abbott, you know, and I, being from Michigan, I remember him playing with the University of Michigan and then, and then going on to a professional career. But I remember that was one of the things I remember a Sports Illustrated article about him years and years ago, where that was one of the things he mentioned is that, is that everybody gave him so much flack as a younger guy because wanted to, wanted to be a pitcher because well, how are you going to be a pitcher? You only have one hand, you know, but look at the career that he, that man had. Yeah. And all that he did over those times because he had that ability to, you know, to overlook and focus on where he wanted to go and what, what he wanted to be. So, and I, and I think that that's a lot what applies here uh, with you as well. Uh, and then let me just throw that. There's yeah. one, if you want to, if your folks want to just Google Dave Stevens, Jim Abbott on YouTube, I did an interview with him uh, at the beginning of the COVID around April. And that's the okay. first time we've ever had this conversation, but it was an amazing in-depth conversation because I have a perspective that no other journalist has. So I could ask him some things that no one else would ask. And he emailed me after and said it was his favorite interview and that I asked him things that no one had ever asked. And, and I, I almost tear up thinking about it because to make that kind of an impact and to connect like we have because of our parallel careers, sure, it was, it, it's really a, a worth a listen because, you know, he, we, I asked him things people would be uncomfortable to ask because you know, that elephant in the room about no legs and no arm and what we went through and being stared at and wanting to quit and not believing in those kind of things. And, and it gets to your point where, you know, you have to have people in support along the way. You have to coaches have to have coaches that'll take that chance. You have to have people that will go, you know what, I got to think outside the box. And I, if I want to teach this kid, he deserves that chance. So my mentors, the people in my life, my coaches, my baseball coach is 86 and still alive. My wrestling coach just turned 70. They're the, still the most important people in my life. My parents died after, you know, I left for college and my dad died a year and a half later. So I didn't have the support like that all my life that I've had with my coaches. So it's, it's, you're, it's a great question you ask because, you know, people just don't always, they just either they're too uncomfortable to address it or it's something they've never dealt with. And they, they just, you know, familiarity is easy to deal with. It's the unfamiliar of like, how do I think about this? Will I upset him if I ask this, this, you know, do I say, Hey, does this hurt your butt? Or, you know, all these things, the outsiders, the leggies, you know, try to process. And I'm just a human being, you know, this is my normal. And it's like, sure. I just want people to realize that, yeah, 
I don't want you to call me, you know, if you look in the dictionary of what disabled is or handicapped, I don't fit that definition. You know, disabled is a bad thing. It's a if a car is disabled, it's a bad thing. Baseball just took away the disabled list because it didn't sound good. So, right. you know, I'm, I'm limb different. I'm born without legs. Like I just, I don't fit that mold. And I don't think anybody that is on that side of that term fits that mold. And I think it's a tough thing we battle with all the time. People want to pity us. They feel sorry for us. How do they treat us? And it's now my job to try to educate everybody. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's awesome because I think so many times when people talk about being disabled, um, it's automatically, like you said, you think about a car being shut down, they automatically that you can't do this because, oh, they're disabled. Uh, so there's a, there's an automatic reduction of their worth of their value. And so I think that's great that, that, uh, you look at it differently and, and you don't allow those terms to be, um, uh, saddled on you, so to speak. So, Let's ask about this. So you're at that point now where you view it that way. I'm sure that's not always a viewpoint that you had and you had to learn, I'm assuming, to, mm-hmm. to have that opinion of yourself and, and how you feel about those things. So take us through the mental aspect of this as from being a young man till now. How does it affect you on a day-to-day basis um, even way back then? I have to have a Teflon coat because I know that I'm being stared at every single moment of my life when I'm in public, you know, it's just, you don't see a guy without legs. So I've had to deal with that and it doesn't bother me unless there's certain moments where, you know, you're in a store and the kids freak out and they go, mommy, mommy, that guy doesn't have any legs or he's a monster or whatever. And you try to humanize it. I try to go up to them, shake their hand, let them know that, Hey, I'm just like you, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, and so kids when I speak I make the most impact because they've never seen anything like me and they realize wow if he's a little different and they're a little different I'm not so different you know and so if I if I can help kids see that you know it's okay to be different it's okay to wear glasses it's okay to have be poor or to have a different color skin or a different religion or something like that sure um do I wake up every day and and am I you know thinking about it no you know um, unlike you, I put my pants on two legs at a time. Um, <laughs> but um, I wake up and I look forward to the day and I don't let my not having legs get me down unless there's snow outside. And then I'm kind of pissed, uh, you know, a little cold on my butt. But if, if, if I didn't, you know, I'd have to sit around and, and think about the opposite of what it would be like to not have legs and be horrible and think about, you know, all the negatives. So my life has been based on positive and that's all I can do. It's the only thing I can be because if you look at the other, you know, there's so many people that are depressed and sad just about their own misery. So I, I try not to let that get me down. I try to be positive, but I do get down. You know, there are times I'm sad, I'm miserable. Um, COVID hasn't helped. It's destroyed my speaking career. It's destroyed. Sure. I can't even, I can't plan for next year because there is no next year yet. We just don't know. So yeah, nobody knows by doing my, my TV radio show, which is I've had super huge guests and, and that's been amazing. Um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to teach. I work with Nubability. I just was in St. Louis and Daryl Strawberry came to our camp and visited his old friend. So there's all these things that I can still do to reach and teach and motivate and inspire. And, you know, when my arms break down, then maybe I'll get a little more depressed and be sadder. Okay. So on those, on those off days where you're, where, you know, 
uh, you're a regular human like the rest of us. <laughs> what do you do uh, to get yourself back into a, a proper frame of mind? What's the process? What What do you do to help yourself? And like I said, you know, the title of our show, what do you do to, to be focused on forward? Well, that's been my life. I mean, uh, no matter when the worst things have happened, I'm always focused on the forward and looking ahead, knowing it's going to get better. You know, my mom died the day I left for college. And my dad said, keep going to Minnesota. And then he died a year and a half later. I dropped out. I turned to drugs for a bit. I'm not proud of that little era, but I looked forward at one day and I said, I got to get my scholarship back. All these people believed in me. And I went back to Minnesota and I have been, uh, you know, clean and sober since 1987, January. So, you know, awesome. I've hit, I've hit those low peaks. And so I can talk about it and, and people think, Oh, well, you've had this great life. You've done all these neat things, but you know, I I'm sad because I'm, I'm an older parent. I have three boys that are 16, 14 and 12. And it's like, I started late and I'm enjoying it. It's the greatest thing I've ever done. You know, they, they've got great legs. They're all playing baseball and I live vicariously through them, but awesome. I get, de I get depressed. I'm not going to live long enough to enjoy their lives. I get depressed that when my arms break down, is somebody going to have to take care of me? And, you know, am I going to have to be on like a, a hovercraft or a Roomba for an, for an adult where you can just <laughs> kind of, you know, move me around, but I always know it's going to get better. You know, my boys motivate me getting out and seeing kids motivate me, telling my story motivates me. So I can't ever let it get me down because that's not who I am. And that's why your show is powerful because I always look forward. I'm looking ahead down the road. Like, when can I get back out? Do I need to start going viral um, with, with, with ability to do my presentations on the internet? You know, it's not right. as good, but it's another way to do it. If I can impact schools, those kids are all stuck sitting at a laptop at home two days a week. Some not at all. Maybe they'll like my story. Maybe it'll inspire them. So no matter how dark I've been and I've been dark and, you know, I've been divorced, I've gone through all these things. It's always going to get better. And you always have to look, you know, I feel so bad for the wounded people from military that I've worked with the veterans that, you know, commit suicide because they've had their darkest days. You know, they don't look forward. They're not looking ahead. They're looking right at the moment. Sure. And so if I can continue to spread my message and share it and just rethink the way I do it, I'm going to do it because, you know, I like, like I said, if I like letting people see my show, I like them to be able to see, wow, he can do this, this, and this. He can do laundry. He can raise three kids. He can go and be friends with Tim Tebow and hit baseballs and do all these things. And, and so I'm just going to keep doing it until I can't do it anymore. That's fantastic. All right. So it's good that you have a positive outlook because, you know, that affects us. I think if we have a positive outlook, it affects us in ways that uh, not only our mental health, but it actually affects our physical health uh, and how we, you know, present ourselves and how we move forward. So if there's a piece of advice that you could give somebody who has been born limb different, but somebody who has a struggle with being what they feel is on the outside, uh, whether it's because of difference of height, weight, skin color, gender, whatever it may be. There's all these things that people have, have put these roadblocks up that to make people different. If there's somebody who's feeling, you know, sitting on what they feel is the outside, what advice do you have for them to help them to also learn how to look forward? 
I think we have to find our gifts. Like we all have gifts. Like my, my gift, I guess, is that I've been able to overcome this. Um, but some people may have a gift of their mind if they have a disability or their voice to sing or math or we, there's all gifts. You have to find your gift and then you have to nurture it and make it grow. And you have to build that confidence. If people are telling you, no, you can't do that or you can't do that, it does tear you down, but you have to bring that gift and bring it out. And some people don't know their gifts until they try and fail. You know, you've got to, for parents of a kid with a, a disability and for parents of a, of a normal kid, you have to let them fall. You have to let them go out and fail and, and you can't hold them back. And I, I would challenge the parents, especially of young teens, is to find their gift and to nurture that. Um, you know, I, I don't have far to fall because I'm like a weeble. I'm about a foot off the ground, <laughs> but I've fallen a lot and I get right back up and I'm like, okay, I didn't do it that right. I'm going to try it this way. And it's better to try and fail than to sit around and wish oh, I'd have tried that. I wish I'd asked her out. I wish I'd have tried for that job. So it just takes that courage. And I know it's, it's tough to have that courage. You know, if you've been beaten down or you do have something that people notice in, in a walk or a gait or a lisp or a speech impediment or something, but figure out those gifts and let it come out and then talk to people, find a counselor, find a support group, find someone in school, find a friend, find a parent, find a relative that you can talk to and say, Hey, how can I get better? How can I improve? What can I do? You know, financially to, to try to achieve this? Can I get a scholarship in this? Can I shoot for this? Like there's so many things and so many people out there that want to help opportunities with organizations for limb different folks and um, you know, special Olympics and all of these other opportunities, you know, go out and just, just do it. We get one life, you get one chance. And if you can't go through life and make the most of that, you're not going to embrace it. And, you know, get the benefits. And I've reaped the benefits more than probably most human being on this planet, you know? Uh, and did I let my setbacks set me back? No, I just said, ah, screw it. I'm going to go out. I'm going to try it again. Right. Yeah. Put your head down, plow ahead, do what you got to do. So one of the questions I like to ask every one of my guests, um, and it's kind of similar to something we've already talked about, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So and I always phrase it this way, not to reduce your story into one truncated sentence. Um, but looking back at your story, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten and how does it affect you? I guess the best piece of advice I ever got was staring can't hurt you. So just go out and do your own thing because okay. that was the toughest part was to get over everybody looking at me and noticing me and, 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 you know, pointing and talking and cause it's just not anything you, you don't see a legless person on a day-to-day -day basis. You do more now with the wars that we've had, but in my lifetime, there weren't a lot of me in the early days. So, but just to not ever let it get to you because no matter, like I just said, how low and, and how dark it's going to get it's always going to get better there's always a light at the end of the tunnel when you're in the moment it doesn't seem like it but you know so i just like all right if they're going to stare let me give them a show let me let them let them admire me let them be inspired let them hate me let them you know let them take my cocky arrogance my you know <laughs> you know my my love for sports on that field i'm an athlete i'm not a handicapped person i'm not disabled i'm an athlete and you can't say that i'm not 
You know, you can't say he's in a motorized wheelchair running to first base. It's like, no, I'm running on my hands. You know, I'm not sacking a quarterback on crutches. You know, I did all these things. So if I can do that and the things that I've overcome, I just tell people just, you know, go out. Your normal is your normal. Use your gifts and make the most of it. Awesome. And by the way, I do think we need a movie about you. I think it'd be awesome. <laughs> I real no, I'm saying that in all sincerity. I think it'd be awesome. I would watch. Um, I'm a big sports guy, and and so for me, having looked back over this, because I graduated high school in 1995, uh, you know, and uh, looking back for me to have never heard of you uh, during that era, uh, you know, I I kind of feel like I lost out. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think you know because you're talking about in the the era when I was growing up, I was watching all these guys. Uh, you know, the, you know, I grew up in Michigan. I was a huge Tigers uh, fan. So, you know, you talked about Jack Morris and yeah. I remember him and, and Detroit and, and, you know, part of, part of the championship team and, you know, the, the second team in 88 that almost, almost went again. And, you know, and so, you know, you talk and my, about this. And my twins that knocked you guys out in 87. Yeah. We're not going to talk about that either. <laughs> You know, uh, but yeah, you know, so I, I look at all these things and I, in all these people that you, you're talking about, you're mentioning, I grew up watching these guys, you know, and, and, and being impressed by them uh, in, in sports. But I, I also look at it too, because I, you know, I think, man, it would have been cool to see your story 20 years ago, you know, 30 years ago, um, you know, hearing about this and having an opportunity. So I'm glad to be a part of your story now and to be able to help you share that story. I think it's phenomenal. Um, Thank you. Uh, truly inspiring, in my opinion, when somebody has, you could look at it and go, okay, so here the deck has been stacked against this man. But, you know, if we look at that, even just momentarily, you know, even if you just look at the fact that there was adoption and your, your parents gave you up and you grew up in a poor environment and things like that, you may look at that and go, oh yeah, the stack, you know, you, you could have been written off there. So the fact that you were able to to push so hard, I think is a true testament to you. And I'm I'm uh, I am inspired uh, by that with you. So hey, if we if we'd have had a second hour, I could have touched on uh, reuniting with my birth mother and father a year, two years ago. Uh, you know, don't always wish. Don't, yeah, you don't always get what you wish for sometimes. But uh, yeah, I understand that sentiment. I was uh, my uh, I, I reunited with my natural father and uh, all that family was it seven years ago. Mm. And so it's been a mostly pleasant experience. I, you know, I found out about brothers and sisters I didn't have and mm. or that I didn't know I had rather, I should say. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so there's been, there's been some very good stories to come out of it. A few challenges and trials along the way with it, but, uh, but yeah. For you. Mine wasn't so good. I was supposed to be on that TV show, Finding Lost Parents. I don't know if you ever saw that show where they find your adopted. It's a TLC show. Okay. They, they found out about my story and they said, hey, instead of two stories, we're going to give you an entire hour. So they flew to the, they flew the, the DNA test to the Super Bowl. I was at, in Minnesota at that Super Bowl covering that. Did the test. They're like, great news. We found your parents. We're going to start the show. And then the parents said, no, we don't want to be a part of this. And then all the parents said, we have kids. They don't know about you. They're rejecting you. And just a whole mishmash of, you know, like you're this dirty little secret and you don't, you you, you get rejected twice in life. And sometimes that's I'm uh, sorry. not always the best thing. Hey, you know, you deal with it. Like I said, 
you get those lows and you got to come back and, uh, you know, battle back. But I've got three beautiful boys that are my flesh go. and blood. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's Pour all that into them for me. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely good for you. Thank God that yours turned out well. Um, like I said, you, you romanticize over the years. Maybe my parents saw me, they'd be so proud, you know, and it didn't, didn't come to fruition. No, nah, you know, I also look back at that and I, I hope, and this is just me, um, but this is also the way my mind works. I also hope that they saw you, your story growing up and they felt a little guilty. So that, that's yeah. just me. <laughs> but uh, Dave, where can people find out more about Dave Stevens? Well, you can always Google Dave Stevens Speaks on YouTube and see hours and hours and hours more of video that you didn't want to see of me and my interviews with a disability channel that I work for. Uh, okay. My life struggles, my life challenges, and it's all there. Football, baseball, everything. If you're looking for more, then uh, follow me on Dave Stevens Speaks on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, MySpace. I don't even know if MySpace exists anymore. I'm joking. I, th uh, I think it does. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know. I don't know either for sure. But uh, yeah, you can just, you know, and I've got a website, DaveStevenSpeaks.com. Um, obviously, I, I'm not speaking now, but I uh, still love talking to people and connecting with fans and, you know, letting them know uh, if they have a, a child that they want to know how to parent or other things, you know, I'm, I'm there to help. It's, uh, it's, it's been a great transition uh, to become, you know, this kind of weird persona. You have to be almost narcissistic to go, okay, this is my business. This is what I represent. Okay, I understand that because it's very humbling. It's very weird to talk about yourself and to try to think of yourself in that Charles Barkley. I am not a role model kind of thing because I'm <laughs> right, not. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I'm. Ju I'm just a guy that who did some stuff. Was, yeah, I did some stuff. I overcame it. Um, I. I'm not asking you to be admired or inspired. I'm just, you know, just, Hey, look at other people differently. When you see them in the future, if you see me and you're like, if he can do this, then maybe others are like that. And I should treat them with respect and dignity and not pity empathy instead of pity, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. I, I, I understand what you're saying about, you know, not you know, having a hard time talking about yourself. The reason I started this, um, is because my daughter last year was was hospitalized for 97 days and we went through uh she has a condition now called Guillain-Barre syndrome and um which attacks the central nervous system and, and things like that so uh coming out of it I had to have a little bit of transition on how to you know get my headspace correct right and, and so one of my, my therapists and another one of my friends both suggested hey you know you like to talk a lot why don't you figure out a way to, to handle that and one of my one one of my buddies said you like to talk a lot. Why don't you start a podcast about it? And I'm, well, I don't want to talk about me every episode. So, you know, he's, well, don't make it about you. Make it about, you know, their stories. And so that's the purpose behind this is that, uh, A, it started off as a uh, kind of a, a healing coping mechanism for me. But it's, I, I kind of feel like it's transitioned into to an opportunity as a platform for people to come on and share their stories of, of triumph and overcoming and mm -hmm. dealing with all these things that people have been dealing with. And so... Uh, and I think that's why your story fits in uh, so very well as to what you're doing, how you're doing. And so I really appreciate you being on uh, our little podcast today and, and uh, talking with us and sharing your story, Dave. Thank you. It's been awesome. Like, uh, you know, it's nice to talk to somebody who does their homework and has some insight. And, you know, that's why you're being successful in this. And that's why probably people told you, no, nah, you can't do it. And you're silly. And you're like, you know what? I had something inside. I had a gift and now you're using your gift. Oh, I hope so. I hope that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, Dave, thank you very much. We appreciate you. And uh, that will conclude us today on Focused on Forward. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcastfof, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.